Hello, everybody, and welcome to Friends of the Force. I am your host, Brad Whipple, and this is From a Certain Point of View, our interview series where we talk with guests that are working in the Star Wars universe, whether it's a podcaster, fan, author, actor, you name it. On today's episode, our guest is an Eisner and Harvey Award-nominated writer, editor, and creator whose work has been featured in hundreds of comic book publications. He has worked on some very recognizable franchises, including Marvel, Harry Potter, Back to the Future, and Firefly. Now within the Star Wars universe, he has written droidography and most recently, Galaxy's Edge, the official Black Spire Outpost cookbook, and Secrets of the Jedi, both of which were published this month. So without further ado, let's find out from a certain point of view what Star Wars means to author Mark Sumerak. You told me Vader betrayed and murdered my father. Your father was seduced by the dark side of the Force. He ceased to be Anakin Skywalker and became Darth Vader. When that happened, the good man who was your father was destroyed. So what I told you was true, from a certain point of view. A certain point of view? Luke, you're going to find that many of the truths we cling to depend greatly on our own point of view. Well, joining me here today on Friends of the Force on From a Certain Point of View, he is the author of Star Wars Galaxy's Edge, the official Black Spire Outpost cookbook, and most recently, Secrets of the Jedi, both of which were published this month. I'm pleased to welcome to the show author Mark Sumerak. Mark, thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, thanks for having me, Brad. So excited to have you. I just listened to you on What the Force earlier this week. So for those of you listening out there, if you enjoyed today's interview with Mark, definitely go check that out afterwards. But Mark, for us to get started, could you give a little bit of an introduction to yourself to our listeners? Yeah, absolutely. My name is Mark Sumerak. Uh, I've been writing professionally for the last 20 years or so. I uh, got my start out at Marvel Comics, uh, first as an editor and then eventually as a writer. Uh, and then within the last five years or so, I've spanned beyond the Marvel Universe into a lot of great other licenses. Uh, I've worked on books from Harry Potter to Ghostbusters to Back to the Future to Firefly uh, and, of course, Star Wars, which was always kind of my my holy grail license. I, I hoped that someday <laughs> my path would lead me to Star Wars. And here I am. Yeah, it's an incredible path to eventually find yourself on. So how, how lucky for you to eventually get involved in the franchise, given given your background. To get started, what I like to do on the show is really get an idea of how our guests grow up with Star Wars and when it kind of entered their lives for the first time. So for you, you've always said that's something you've eventually wanted to do. So when did Star Wars first step foot into your life and, and just take a complete hold on your imagination? Literally as early as I can remember. Um, I have a brother who is five years older than me. Uh, and so he was born in 73. I was born in 78. So I just missed the first movie uh, in terms of being, you know, its original mm -hmm. release in the theater. I was I was I was still in utero. But uh, it, it was one of those things where as soon as I remember playing with toys, as soon as I remember reading comics, Star Wars was a prevailing factor. Uh, one of the earliest toy memories I have is sitting in my basement in, in Cleveland, Ohio, playing with the Droid Factory, that that mm -hmm. old classic Sears exclusive wedge of plastic that had rubber R2-D2 parts uh, in a little, little bays that you could pick up with a crane <laughs> and assemble your own droid. Um, and, and I mean, that to me is like quintessential early 80s Star Wars play and it's it's always at the forefront of my memory we had all of those I remember 
I remember playing using our toilet as the star, as the Sarlacc pit and, and losing <laughs> our Han figure uh, <laughs> down into it. Um, I mean, just Star Wars has been a, a a huge huge factor in my love of pop culture, in my love of of these vast universes that I've written for. Um, it's it's really been important to me from day one of my life, uh, mm-hmm. and, and so to be able to follow that journey here is is just such a joy you know you're the first one of the first guests i've had i think that's really brought up the toys at least the toys aspect of star wars because when you think about it back then not a lot of ips and franchises had this plethora of toys that people could go to the store buy bring home and continue their star wars adventures from whatever popped into their mind you know and i think that's such a unique thing of why it, it it took took the minds of so many so many kids and so many even teenagers and adults because there was right. just so I mean, much Lucas, you could do yeah lucas and 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 the minds at kenner were true geniuses when it came to putting out just a wealth of great playability um yeah. and a lot of companies followed suit you know in the early to mid 80s um you know in terms of things like he-man and transformers and that stuff eventually came but but boy, was Star Wars a pioneer when it when it came to all of that. And it really is astounding to see how many people from my generation, you know, came into Star Wars from different angles, whether it was the Marvel Comics series or the toys or, you know, a, a worn out VHS tape that, you know, they got off of a, a Saturday afternoon airing of A New Hope. But yeah. we all found it somehow. And, and that love... Even, even no matter where we came from, that love ended up universal, which is a, a really lovely thing. I love hearing how you were introduced to Star Wars. So thank you for sharing that. And that's why this series is called From a Certain Point of View, because like you said, everybody has their own point of view of when they entered into Star Wars. And that's what I think is the most unique thing about it. So for you, when you when you connected with Star Wars, what was it about it that really like really resonated with you and why do you what do you think the core of star wars is and because it connects with so many people you know i i think a lot of what made the star wars journey so accessible to to me was a character like luke luke is this character who is just a normal everyday person and gets swept up in this vast adventure that he finds out you know he's from this this epic bloodline with a huge universal importance to its history and had no idea. And that, that he could have been anyone if he had never left that planet, he may have never known who he was destined to be. And, and yet he took that leap and he had that adventure. And I mean, what that hero's journey, you know, that's that mythic hero's journey. That's at the core of star Wars has universal appeal. It appeals to Mm -hmm. every single one of us, no matter who we are, no matter where we come from. And those aspects of that story play throughout the trilogy play out through the 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 prequel trilogy play out through the current trilogy and you really see that reflecting itself over and over and over and i think that's what's so beautiful about star wars is it's not just some haphazard story about a kid who happens to become a hero it's a well thought out mythology that follows you know as as i'm sure many scholars far greater than I have, have proven over the years, you know, follows that great Campbell path of the, the hero's journey. Right. And, and does it so epically and so well that you can't resist getting sucked in and seeing a part of yourself in, in comics, you know, a, a great comparison to that is, is Spider-Man. You know, he's got yes. that, that every man feel to him. And, you know, you look at a movie like Spider-Verse where anyone can put on the mask 
and you get that same kind of sense of of heroic journey that you get from a Star Wars. Um, and I think that's that's really what it is. I, you know, I, I think that's why we all love it as much as we do is it's so easy to look at it and see yourself in that journey and, and wonder what would happen if. It's it's so inherently connected to that hero's journey, like you said, and sprinkled on top of that is the blasters, the spaceships, the lightsaber yeah. battles, all of that. So you're getting this getting this tale as old as time that really connects to our collective subconscious. And then we're mm. also getting all this action packed storytelling. That is just something that we had never seen before. You know, George Lucas took the old elements of, of, of the Joseph Campbell hero's journey and the flash Gordon of, you know, the, the seventies and mm. just kind of put it all into one new thing that nobody had ever witnessed before. And you're, you're absolutely right. You know, it's, it's one of those things where as a kid, I didn't know what a, a hero's journey was, but I did know that lightsabers were cool and that droids yeah. were hilarious. <laughs> and I don't think without those elements, I don't think it has the same appeal. You know, I, right. I think that it has to be all of that for it to have worked. And, mm-hmm. and somehow that lightning in a bottle happened. And, and boy, does, does Lucas deserve credit? <laughs> yeah. And it's why even after all these hundreds of years later, we keep on going back in grade schools to talk about Greek mythology and Mm -hmm. uh, ancient Egypt, all these all these old things that can still resonate within our culture. And it's why Star Wars 45 years later is still strong as ever, because it's something that we can keep talking about and relating to. And now you get to have another chapter in that story now with Secrets of the Jedi. So you said Luke really connected with you. And lo and behold, all these years later, you are writing a story from the perspective of Luke Skywalker, the one Jedi Knight who you connected with as a kid. So why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about Secrets of the Jedi to start? Yeah, Secrets of the Jedi is is kind of a dream come true project for me. Um, It is a new book coming out from Insight Editions, uh, and it just came out this week. It is a look at the Jedi Order. Uh, the rise and the fall of the Jedi Order uh, through the eyes of Luke Skywalker. And it's it's the Luke Skywalker from the, the current trilogy. Um, so uh, circa Last Jedi, Luke Skywalker. Um, looking back and seeing where the Jedi succeeded, where they failed, and, and what, if at all, their future may be. Uh, and so it was this journey that I had to take alongside Luke uh, as I was writing it, because we all watched The Last Jedi, and we all know where Luke eventually ended up. Um, and we know the choices he had to make throughout his interactions with Ray. Um, but it was really all about getting inside of his head and finding what took him to that point. How did he get there? Because when we meet him on Octo, uh, he's already there. He's already in exile. He's already made his choices. He already has his opinions about what the Jedi were and why they didn't work. And then over the course of the movie, we see that slowly start to change as he's you know, subjected to his interactions with Ray and realizes new things about what's going on in the world. However, you know, that insight kind of takes a back seat uh, throughout the movie. It's there subtly, of course, mm-hmm. um, but it, it kind of, you know, it isn't directly stated as to what his points of view are and why they're changing and, and what is affecting that along the way from both his past and his present. Um, so this book was a challenge. Uh, it, was, mm-hmm. it was a real challenge to to take Luke and try to get inside of his head. Uh, I've lived inside of young Luke's head for decades. Uh, I've loved, you know, know, those stories, uh, that young heroic, you know, I'm going to be a Jedi like my father before me, Luke Skywalker. 
will will always be the Luke that I first envision. Um, but getting to step inside of this Luke's head, the current Luke's head, was a really interesting experiment for me, uh, and one that hopefully I succeeded in uh, when people pick up the book. Yeah. When we're talking about the secrets of the Jedi, you know, we, we go through so many different characters in this book and retellings of the Old Republic and just learning about how the Jedi rose, how the Jedi fell, and how they might rise again. So why do you think this point of view from, from Luke's perspective, why is this the right point of view to tell the secrets of the Jedi? You know, why not tell it from the perspective of Yoda during the Jedi Council days? You know, what is it about this Luke that is unique. You know, it's, it's as Luke says, uh, what are legends if we can't learn from them? You know, it's, it's one of those things where without the entire picture, it wouldn't have made much sense. And there are very few people left at the point of the new trilogy who can tell the full picture. Uh, and, and we looked at a lot of options when we were putting it together. When we first started pitching our ideas for the book and putting together the point of view, we, we considered a bunch of different options as to when the story could be told from, uh, it was, you know, the idea of, could we do it as journals from Obi-Wan Kenobi? Because in Mm. the comic book series, we've seen that Luke has, has found some of, uh, Obi-Wan's old journals on Tatooine. Right. And, yeah. and he has been reading adventures that Obi-Wan had during his exile on Tatooine. So that was an option. You know, there were other options. You know, could Yoda have transcribed things while he was on Dagobah? Could, you know, there were a lot of stuff. We tossed out virtually every idea we could. Um, but really, we always found that really limited ourselves to not being able to include stuff from the newer trilogy. Uh, and many of the characters in the newer trilogy wouldn't have had the depth of knowledge about the Jedi that right. many of the older you know, characters would have. So it was a balance. And we finally we, we settled in on Luke because he was kind of the the be all end all perspective. He's this character who was there, you know, not necessarily at the beginning of the Jedi, obviously, but but he, he was there for a large part of the rebellion, saw what the Jedi used to mean and what they could mean. And then eventually learned what they also could mean in a negative way. Um, and, and so really his perspective made the most sense. There's also this period, this uncharted period that's been covered in a few tie-in canon series, like some comics and a, and a few novels, but there's this period of time between Return of the Jedi and The Force Awakens where Luke was kind of rebuilding the Jedi. He was out searching for Jedi artifacts. He was searching for Jedi stories. He was learning everything he could about the Order so that he could start his own training temple. Uh, And so in that time, we thought it would make perfect sense that he could have gathered much of this information that he wouldn't have been privy to normally. Um, So you'll see him mention Jedi that you might stop and go, how would he know about so-and-so in this book? Right. But we kind of realized that during this period, his whole goal was to amass as much Jedi knowledge as he could. So at some point, he heard a story of, of Kanan Jarrus. At some point, he heard oh, a story. <laughs> of, you know, So that's, that's the, the, yeah. the viewpoint behind it. He may not have ever met Ezra Bridger, but perhaps he knows the name because of stories he's heard. Mm-hmm. And maybe he did meet them. Who knows? That's not my story to tell. Um, but... You know, there's the idea that this these legends are out there and he was gathering them. Some of my favorite details from this book are are the facts that 
he worked with the spirits of Ben and Anakin and Yoda who guided Luke for years before he shut himself off to the Force. And the fact that Luke knows about Ahsoka Tano was the <laughs> most mind-blowing thing to me when I read this because I was like, oh my gosh, he just learned his father had a Padawan. Right. And how much and she, in can many this ways, Padawan learn? Yeah. yeah, and she was alive during the time post-Return of the Jedi. So again, right. like you said, not your story to tell, but who knows, that story might be out there at some point. And that's just so exciting. We wanted to leave as many doors open as we could. You know, that yeah. was, that was really the goal there is, is canon, you know, is a big thing. And there's tons of authors working on all these beautiful projects. And the last thing any of us ever want to do is step on each other's toes when it comes to the great stories that we could tell down the road. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, my goal here was to give as much, as much existing information as I could in a unique, fun way um, without closing the doors to any great stories that might be told down the road in other formats or in other um, novelizations. Right. The best part about this particular Luke, continuing to talk about his point of view, is this is one of my favorite lines from the introduction of the book, but Luke talks about blaming the Jedi for being blinded by the light. And of course, naturally, I think of the Bruce Springsteen song. And he talks about letting the darkness creep in. And he says, legends don't always tell the whole story. The heroes at their center aren't always the shining beacon of light we so desperately want them to be. So right in the introduction, we get this very cynical Luke. And he is mm -hmm. a very unreliable narrator throughout this book. And throughout The Last Jedi, he is very depressed. He's very, he feels very huge. He feels a very huge weight of failure on his shoulders. And I think that's what makes him so relatable in so many ways because right. so what, what's more convincing than a, a flawed hero, somebody right. that we can really relate to, you know, if he was perfect all the time, that's not necessarily somebody that we could connect with, but we've all experienced failure. We've all experienced disappointment in ourselves when we can't achieve a goal we set, we set out for ourselves. Right. And I think that's why reading this perspective in this book is so moving. Yeah, I think it's really important to realize, you know, one one of those things that I loved about the Last Jedi was that that was that it turned expectations on their ear. You know, it was Luke Skywalker who we all as kids, you know, expected to grow up and save the world, and and that Luke, right. would, you know, when we finally got those three final movies, that it would be you know, 50 year old Luke Skywalker defeating entire platoons with his lightsaber <laughs> all alone, and the fact that it didn't end up to be that is okay. Right. You know, th that that's the thing we've got to realize is, is just because we had an idea for where our life was going to go or where someone else's story was going to take them doesn't mean that's where it always does. And there are chances that things don't work out. There are chances that things play out differently. And it doesn't mean it's wrong. It doesn't mm -hmm. mean that their story has any less value. And that's what I found so fascinating about where Luke ended up, because it reflects so much of what happened to the Jedi Order. You know, right. Luke on Octo, look at Obi-Wan going into exile on Tatooine. Look at Yoda going into exile on Dagobah. Exactly. Dagobah. There's so many reflections there of yep. what happened to the Jedi before. And it makes so much sense that Luke's path, despite his best efforts, would take him to the same place. And we've got to hope that in the next mm -hmm. round, maybe we learn from those mistakes and the next group of heroes don't end up going down that same road. But those legends are important to, to take us there. Um, and I think having Luke's perspective from that point of view and being able to pass that information on in a way that educates and says, this is why 
things happen the way they did. And this is why I'm worried that continuing this path might not be right. However, there is still a chance if you learn that you could take that next step in a new direction, that's a valuable tool. Right. Mark, you definitely, you understand Star Wars. <laughs> I can already I tell. The fact that you love The Last Jedi and <laughs> that you love The Last Jedi, which personally for me is my favorite Star Wars movie because it is so layered. And and speaking of legends, you know, The Last Jedi, we end up with Luke facing down the First Order with a laser sword, as he talks about earlier in the right. movie. And, you know, we, th- we think he's going to be this complete badass and take down all these uh, adats and everything. But... Lo and behold, he takes the route of the Jedi, a passive route. You know, mm-hmm. uh, it doesn't always have to resort to violence. I think that's a line that Obi Wan says. There are yep. other alternatives, yep. and what a more Jedi thing to do than to just simply inspire a new legend that some kids over in Canto Bight can talk about and be inspired by, and right. still have hope in the galaxy. And I think that's the power of Luke Skywalker. He doesn't need to be this total like badass hero taking down all these stormtroopers like you said this huge platoon he just needs to be a legend that people can right. can relate to and believe in and and the neat thing about luke too is that he he doesn't really want to be a legend necessarily but he understands yeah. the importance the importance of being one exactly so for you what was the challenge of really getting in the head of this luke skywalker you know you grow up with that very positive, optimistic Luke Skywalker who is always looking to the horizon, thinking about his future, and sees the best in people. It's why he's able to help Darth Vader be redeemed. So for you, what's it like to get out of that mindset of of the old Luke in the original trilogy and now right from the perspective of the new Luke? I, I got to imagine that's a challenge. It was a lot harder than I'd like to admit. <laughs> um, it was one of those things where I had watched The Last Jedi multiple times, you know, upon its first release. Um, And then it had been a little while since I had watched it um, when I first started writing this book. And I thought in my head, all right, I got I got this, you know, I and I so I worked on my first draft and I turned it into my editor. And he was like, nope, this is way more classic Luke than it is current Luke. Take another look. And I went back. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, he is he is way too young and optimistic and naive and, and just the tone of his voice is the Luke that's lived inside my head since I was five. And I, I quickly understood my mistake. Um, and so thank goodness for Netflix. Um, I, and now <laughs> Disney plus, but I, I got on, uh, you know, on the streaming service and started to rewatch the movie in loop um, for a couple of days. Mm-hmm. And one of the exercises that I did, and I do this, uh, sometimes when I really need to get the voice of a character down is as I'm watching, I will sometimes, uh, type along with the character as they're speaking. Mm-hmm. Um, not just to get their dialogue down because you're not rewriting the dialogue that he's speaking. You're, you're, you're encapsul- encapsulating the ideas. Um, but you know, I'm, I'm not looking to to word for word necessarily copy what he's doing. But what I am trying to do is to capture the rhythm and cadence of his voice and the way he speaks now and the way he gets his ideas across and kind of absorb that as he speaks in real time. Um, So I ended up kind of writing the whole movie uh, as I watched it. Uh, and then kind of went back and reviewed how I had written things and where I had put emphasis on words as I was typing. And I kind of realized, okay, this, 
this is the rhythm of how New Luke speaks. These are the kinds of word choices he makes. These are the kinds of observations that he's focused on, as opposed to some of the way that he uh, used language in the earlier movies. Mm -hmm. And so it was all about capturing that new rhythm. Uh, and once I did that, I think my, my new draft really pulled together pretty quickly after that. And then it was more about uh, balancing facts and balancing the important information. Right. Uh, because obviously this book has a lot of information and, and not nearly as many pages um, as, as a, you would think a, a book about uh, the secrets of the Jedi have. So it was about finding ways to pack all of that big information into a, a small space. What do you think is a line that from The Last Jedi that really sticks out to you that boils down the essence of, of Luke Skywalker? Is there anything in particular that when you went back and rewatched those movies and you're writing along with Luke, something where you have a moment of like Eureka and you're just like, whoa, I understand everything now. <laughs> you know, it, it's not necessarily a, a specific line, um, but it was that scene where he and Ray were up on the rocks uh, and he had teased her with the, the little frond. Yeah. Um, and he was teaching her about the force right. and what the force is and how it's, it's all around us. And just the insightfulness that Luke had uh, about the force and, and his, his ideas about what the force was, how it existed, where it belonged in the, in the grand scheme of things, you know, that was the scene that I kind of latched onto as a whole and set my tone for who this modern Luke was. He wasn't a student anymore. He was a teacher. He was a master. And, that really was my my kind of anchor stone for his voice throughout the book. Mm -hmm. I think the unique thing, too, about this book is, like I said in the beginning, you know, we start off with that pessimistic Luke. And then eventually, towards the outro of the book, we end up with that positive Luke that we see at the end of The Last Jedi. He says, you know, all it took was one girl to show me how wrong right. I had been the whole time. And he says he hasn't changed his mind mm -hmm. about the mistakes the Jedi made, but he can see that their failures don't warrant a complete eradication of that order. And he can learn from their failings and right. discover how to grow beyond them into something better, which running adjacent to Kylo Ren, you know, Kylo Ren wants to kill the past. He doesn't want to learn from it, at least towards the end of that movie. So it's kind of like the master and apprentice, you know, Luke got into that rut along with Kylo, forget the past, let the Jedi die. And then he realizes at the end, the value of still acknowledging the past so we can fix the future sort of. Exactly. So I yeah. think that's really the greatest part about this book is we see that journey of Luke Skywalker. Yeah, and that was really intentional. I mean, we, we wanted to start him in a place where he he was telling you these stories because he wanted you to know why the Jedi shouldn't exist. And by the time we get to the end of it, he's kind of gone through this journey himself and realized through these stories and through his interactions with Rey that maybe there's still hope out there. And maybe this doesn't need to be the end that he had convinced himself it needed to be. Um, and so that puts this, you know, the, I like to think of, of this book as being written between the scenes. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there are bits of it that were probably, he had begun to chronicle before Ray arrived. And then over the course of, of Ray's visits in those long evenings where she was holed up, probably having a weird force bond with Kylo in her little hut, <laughs> he was off you know, transcribing. Right. Um, and then finally, you know, between between burning things and, and sacrificing himself, he put some final thoughts in. You know, it, you never really know where these books happen, but that's where I like to think they happen. Right. And speaking of the Force Bond too, the most interesting thing I thought about this book was it was listed under a Dark Force ability. And this is something 
I have talked with a couple of people about. So, and and that's, I think, really hits home. Again, this, po- this point of view of Luke is that he believes force bonds are bad and that you shouldn't connect with the people from the dark side. And then maybe he kind of changes his tone towards the end and says, nobody's really gone. So while he's writing the book, he thinks that's a dark force thing and that maybe Kylo is manipulating her. But then he might realize towards the end, those two have to kind of come together and bring balance to the force. So I, I love how this book this book is written right what was it like to get to write about you know the force bond and all these even like hint a little bit at some of the other dark force abilities like lightning and choke and uh etc yeah it, it was cool i mean just just i mean these are things that you watch on the screen and you go whoa how do they do that yeah That's amazing. and to be able to put some of the the theory behind you know why these things exist and how they work uh was was a really fun experience for me um i i was a little bit surprised myself, to be honest, when when Force Bond shook into the Dark Powers area. Um, but as I wrote, I realized it's not necessarily that Luke believes that connecting with somebody or communing with somebody is a bad thing. It's that he believes it can be very, very bad if it's used wrongly. Yeah. Um, and, and what he's seen more recently than not is it being used in ways that are manipulative mm-hmm. and that are dangerous. Um, so, you know, there are much with all force powers, there are good ways to use them yeah. and there are bad ways to use them. There are lines to be crossed Exactly. That, that, you know, what is, what is the force choke? The force choke is just an extension of telekinesis. However, it's a, it's one that you should probably not use if you're a Jedi, uh, because it could get really ugly fast. Um, there are so many ways to use the positive aspects of the force in a negative way. Uh, and so they, and it's like, like with all things Jedi, it's all about balance. Right. Um, and so it was, it was interesting as we were charting out where the force powers ended up and which spreads they made their way onto, um, to really give some deep thought into how, not just how the Jedi would view these, these powers and abilities, but how Luke would view them, Mm -hmm. uh, in his later days. I do love the little nod too to midi Chlorians. He says, personally, I've never been one to worry about how exactly the force whispers to me. All that matters is that it still does. <laughs> I thought that was funny because obviously the big yep. controversy with the prequels was, oh, you know, I thought the force was in everybody. You know, what's this midichlorian thing? So I thought that was, again, another interesting right. take on how the force used to be thought about the Jedi and now how he's looking at it. You know, it doesn't matter how it's there. It just matters that it is there and that it speaks to us. Yeah. And, and I think that that is a good linchpin too for for some of the larger force concepts that didn't necessarily make it into this particular book, because this book is the secrets of the Jedi, not the secrets of the Force, right? right. So there were things out there like the Mortis gods or or you know the the Night Sisters or things that that I love about Star Wars that that are you know deep lore Star Wars fun stuff from Clone Wars and from novelizations that I would have loved to include in the book. However, there are things that, first off, Luke might not not have known about. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, obviously, you know, when you think of the world in between, you know, and Ahsoka and all that stuff that happened in Clone Wars and Rebels, you know, there's, that's some pretty heady stuff. And that's not necessarily stuff that Luke has, has experienced firsthand. And who knows if he would make heads or tails of it when he, he read about it in the legends, but Luke has always been more of a grounded Jedi in my mind. You know, there are lots of Jedi who are about the ethereal and there are some Jedi who are more about what is in front of them right now 
uh, in the bat on the battlefield or in life. And I've always viewed more Luke as more of a, a real world Jedi. Um, so in this particular narrative about what he's learned and what's important, that didn't necessarily make it onto the page, uh, but it's still out there and it is still important. Uh, and, and so I would love to, you know, you know, were, th were there ever a secrets of the force, it would be fun to explore oh, all that other stuff. Yes. Uh, but I didn't think it necessarily, it necessarily fit into Luke's perspective at this point of view, uh, you know, and at this point of his journey. That's why this book works so well too. You're not shoehorning everything into it just to get it in there. You're, you're, you're perfectly crafting exactly what you want to put on the page and why it's important rather than just throw everything at the reader. You know, you're picking out the details that are relevant yeah. to Luke Skywalker, but yes, Mark, please write a secrets of the force book. <laughs> Talk about the Mortis gods. <laughs> the Mortis yeah. gods is some of my favorite stuff. I just rewatched it yesterday on, on Disney plus yeah, and cool I was yeah. just blown away once again. Yeah. And, and you know, if you want to know every Jedi that ever lived and what color their lightsaber was, there's guides for that. You know, there's there's those complete guides from DK that are just gorgeous. And that's what those are for. This is a story from one man's perspective about the Jedi and the individual stories that he includes in it are ones that are important to his point of view. Um, and I think that that's, you know, that's what makes this a different project than just another guidebook. Yeah. Um, is is there's a reason behind each story that's chosen. Yeah, exactly. Let's talk about the art. So the art was done by Sergio Gomez Sylvan. Yes. This is some of the most beautiful art I've ever seen in a Star Wars book. I think it really makes the book. So it takes the brilliance of the writing that you put in here and then just takes it to a whole nother level where, you know, we're going through and it's, it's kind of jaw dropping in a way. There's the one page where you show the kyber crystals, that's beautiful. I thought of the Infinity Stones when I looked at that. And, you know, how the force powers were, were drawn, how the, the different temples, like Vader's castle was in there. There's just so much in this book. So what was it like to work with Sergio and get get your vision on the page based on what you're writing? Well, I was, I was very fortunate in, in that I didn't get to work with Sergio directly. That's not the fortunate part. The fortunate part is that when the art started coming in, it totally blew my mind. Uh, when I started to see the art as, as the editors were sending me layout passes of the book, it was one of those things where it just, it nailed it from moment one. There things could not have been more accurate to the, the way I had written the book in terms of the depictions that were, were being drawn out by Sergio. And, and it really, I mean, if you, if you could find a piece of art that makes me think Yaddle is a badass, uh, you've done a pretty good job. <laughs> and there's this one picture in there above the uh, the Force Visions um, section on the Light Force Abilities spread where it's like a meditating yaddle with like two lightsabers floating and Maul is in the background. Yes. It's, it's this image that like I have seen people online say, I'd like to get that as a tattoo. And I've been like, that is yaddle. What are you talking about? <laughs> but it is just that cool. And everything has such a neat design sense to it. Everything is so well thought out. You know, I helped pick the moments that would be drawn um, in, when we were putting together the book. You know, I made a list of, hey, for, for this particular section, let's have an image like this. But in terms of execution, that's all Sergio. And, and it is just glorious. That image that ended up being the cover is so stunning that I wish they had made the poster Beautiful. that comes with the book like four times the size <laughs> because it's, it's just that pretty. <laughs> um, 
And, and there are, um, the, the color styling I think is, is really what takes it to the next level. The artwork itself is beautiful, but it's done in kind of a sepia tone color scheme with little pops of color. So for a lightsaber blade or a force power or a tonal shift. So the light force abilities page has a little bit more blues and greens on it, but then you turn the page to the dark force abilities and it suddenly becomes very red. Um, and so throughout the book, there's that little bit of emphasis on hints of color to really bring a new tone to each piece and each spread. And that's beautiful. Exactly. It's it's the perfect coffee table book. You know, you can read through it your first time and then just randomly throughout the day, just pick it up and look at all these images on the page and just completely be so impressed and so mind blown. And of course, you got to love a good Yaddle drawing. I mean, come on. The Yaddle culture is right? great. <laughs> it's like, a, yeah, there's like got to be like a Yaddle test. Like if you can make Yaddle look cool, then <laughs> you are a Star Wars artist. Good job. Right. Now, you talked about, you know, how you'd love to write a Secrets of the Force uh, book. Now, would you also be ever into writing like a Secrets of the Sith book? Was that ever brought across the table possibly? Or uh, I guess my oh, better question would, is like, is that something I you would ever, love to do? Um, yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd be thrilled. We, I don't know what the future holds for this. Yeah. You know, obviously, this book just came out last or this week. So, you know, depending on on sales and reaction and, and desire, you know, you never know what could come next. Uh, yeah. If there were to be a sequel. I mean, this this in many ways is a spiritual successor to another book I wrote called Droidography, right. um, which yep. was done in kind of the same format. Um, and that was kind of a, a look at all the Star Wars droids through the perspective of Roger, who was a character on the Freemaker Adventure series. Uh, so, you know, there's always a chance of more. Would it be a direct sequel like a Secrets of the Force or Secrets of the Sith? Or would it be something else, an exploration of aliens or bounty hunters or, or a different aspect of the Star Wars universe? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we'll have to wait and see. But if the opportunity presented itself to do a continuation, you know, to do a Sith book from a different perspective, I'd jump on it on a heartbeat because uh, because, man, there's so much story left to tell. And from a different perspective, I think you could tell a lot of the same information with brand new insight uh, and without ever repeating yourself. Yeah. I, I think you could shed whole new lights uh, on the dark side. So I, I think it would be really, really cool to do something like that someday. My fingers are crossed. So hopefully this book is a huge success, which I'm sure it will be just based on the writing and the imagery and everything. And people are talking about it out there. So let's hope maybe that's on the horizon at some point. Now, talking about your career as a, as a writer. So, you know, you said you spent, uh, or at least I was reading your biography on your website and you did spend a semester while you were in college as a Marvel Comics editorial intern. And then you eventually, you know, got your first gig with the Avengers Casebook in, in 1999. And then you joined the staff as an assistant editor and then eventually moved on to, to freelance work. So did you always know that you wanted to be be a writer growing up? And and what played into that? You know, what what played into your imagination to want to, to do that? Was it partly Star Wars, partly some other properties? I think I knew that I wanted to be a storyteller. Uh, I don't think I knew that writer was a job when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, it was one of those things where I... I knew I wanted to tell stories for a living. I loved telling stories. I would, whether it was making up stories with my action figures, you know, and creating epic battles between He-Man and Star Wars, or 
whatever I had at hand, you know, I, I would make my own comics. I would make my own, uh, you know, pamphlets and books full of story that I, I just, I loved doing it. I was never a great artist. Um, so I, I could always think of how I wanted things to look, but my hand couldn't translate it into pictures, but my brain could translate it into words. Um, so when I figured out eventually from the credits list in every issue that comic books had different writers than artists, I went, Hey, I could be the guy that does the one thing, even if I can't be the guy who does the other thing. Um, so I figured out, you know, eventually that writing was a, a legitimate option for me. Um, and comics, uh, you know, even though I was inspired by Star Wars and a lot of the cartoons of the 80s and a lot of, you know, pop culture like Ghostbusters and Back to the Future and all that great stuff, comics were always my mainstay. Um, I had, had grown up a Marvel kid um, and loved them through, you know, the 80s and 90s. And when I was in college, I found out about Marvel having an, an editorial internship program for college age students and was ahead in my studies anyway and, and just took the leap. Uh, and that led to, you know, eventual writing gigs and editorial assignments and got to me to where I am today. Uh, so that was really what opened the door. But, yeah, I kind of always knew I was going to tell stories. I just didn't know in what capacity. Mm -hmm. That That's fantastic to to have that moment where you're like, oh, I can I can do this and other people can do the rest of it. And that that really does like motivate you to to say, like, you know, this isn't the impossible. This is something that I can do as a career. And I think a right. lot of people don't realize writing is a job that you can get into. You know, we're so focused as kids yeah. on doctors and lawyers and like all these like weird things that people throw at us in, in school. But like, hey, you can do all these other creative outlets as well. Well, and that's one of the things that I run into when I when I teach about comics, because I'll go out to universities or to schools or to libraries and do presentations about making comics. And most people out there automatically assume that I write and draw everything that I work on. Uh, because there's still, I mean, comics have been around for 90 years, but still people have the perception of the writer and artist being a single person. Uh, and when I unveil to them that, no, it's usually almost always different people um, in the comic book industry, it blows their mind. Um, and, and then sometimes after I've gone through a half an hour of explaining the difference between writer and artist, afterwards, someone will come up and say, could you draw me a picture? And then I realize that they weren't really, <laughs> but, uh, it, it's, it, it really is fascinating, you know, that, that we don't, we don't necessarily know how many people have specialized jobs in, in what we do. And I think a great example of that is, is watching the credits for any movie. Look at those thousands and thousands of names that scroll by during the credits. And, and right. we don't read every single one of them and we don't pay attention to every single one of them. But every one of those people had a job on that movie and took the time to do something that made that movie complete. And it is really fascinating. And in comics, it's a much smaller scale. And in books, it's a much smaller scale. It's two, three, four, five people working on one project. But on a project as large as a Star Wars movie, it's, it's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people. And each one would have been missed somehow if they weren't there. And, and I think that's something that, that up-and-coming storytellers and up-and-coming creators need to be aware of is, is that even if you're not the guy who's writing the script for the movie, there are so many other opportunities to help tell the story that you could pursue. Mm -hmm. Some great career advice, you know, pursue what you're passionate about and, and the rest will follow. You'll find your place somehow or another. 
So just yeah. keep looking to the the horizon as as Luke Skywalker does, and 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 know that there's something else out there waiting for you. Absolutely. Now, what outside the Star Wars realm has been your favorite thing that you've you've worked on so far? Oh gosh, you know Marvel will always be near and dear to my heart. Uh, I love working on Marvel stuff, and just this past year, um, I got to write my first console video game uh, for Marvel and Nintendo. I got to write uh, the story and script for Marvel Ultimate Alliance Three: The Black Order, uh, which came out in July on the Nintendo Switch. Ah. Um, so that to me was was just an amazingly fun project because it was you know this huge scale undertaking um you know much like a movie you know you've got hundreds of people working on this project and they're all working to tell a story that i helped come up with and i mean to me that was mind-blowing the the ability to not just write a script like in comics or in books and see it on the page but to write that script and then be able to see actors bring it to life on the screen through motion capture and through voice recording and to have you know, these these scenes playing out on streaming services that people are playing the game on yeah. and watch people reacting to the dialogue that I wrote as, you know, as they're live streaming their playthroughs. And it's just it's really wild. It's unlike anything yeah. I've ever experienced before. Um, so for me, that was a real joy. That is that is a great feeling, especially writing a video game. I mean, video game stories can be so compelling nowadays, especially with Jedi Fallen Order, which at the time of this recording has just came out today. And I've already dove in a little bit into it and it's it's awesome oh i'm so and excited the ways in which we can tell stories now the fact that you can do it in a single player game and it's just as great as a movie or a tv show i, I think the mediums are changing and that's that's great because again you're giving even more opportunities to people yeah. to tell those kinds of stories even if you're not necessarily a writer but you're a graphics designer or or whatever again it's all about opening those doors and those possibilities and those thousands of names you see on the credit screen, you know, it, it's just, it's just great. We're in a great time of, right. of storytelling right now. So very exciting stuff for we you and, and the rest we of the are. crew. And it's strange because in, in gaming, uh, in gaming, they're, they're still kind of turning the corner when it comes to that. There've been great stories in games for a decade mm -hmm. now, you know, but when it comes to public perception, there's still, a, there's still a little bit of a fight for recognition in that area. And I, I find that fascinating um, I'll tell somebody that, you know, that that isn't a gamer, uh, that I've been writing a story for a video game. And sometimes the reaction I get is, well, how much story do you need? The the guy eats the dot. <laughs> and I'm like, wow, you have not played a game since Pac-Man, <laughs> first off. And second, you know, video games are very, very deep nowadays. Let's talk about them. And it opens up a great conversation uh, for those people who have not experienced the modern age of gaming. But it is it is fascinating to see how perceptions uh, can remain what they what what somebody was originally to exposed to and not change, despite the fact that a medium has changed over the years yeah. greatly. Well, definitely lots of lots of great stories to tell and. And hopefully you get to, you you get to tell more of them in in the Star Wars universe. So you know to wrap up the show here, we do we like to do a rapid fire question segment where just to kind of to close out and get your get your quick answers on a few things here. So first thing I want to start with is what is your favorite Star Wars movie? There's a lot of them now, so it's the list is getting even longer and it's getting harder to choose. <laughs> oh gosh, I, I would say uh, my my favorite Star Wars movie from 
Oh gosh, from from a, a sentimental standpoint, is probably Return of the Jedi. Yeah, because uh, yes, yes, Ewoks and 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 Jabba the Hutt, <laughs> but but it was it was the first one I saw in the theaters. Okay, at the sweet spot age for Return of the Jedi. Um, from a storytelling and and emotional standpoint, it's Empire Strikes Back. Um, you know that will that will always be you know my my go to when it comes to the depth of the Star Wars saga. Um, but yeah, sentimentally, I'll admit it's it's probably Jedi for for just those childhood connection reasons. We finally get that redemption of Darth Vader. It's a big movie. It's 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 a critical one, and I think it's sometimes yeah, overlooked against yeah. Empire Strikes Back or against the Last Jedi. But it is the it is the great heroic triumph of the original trilogy. Now, who is your favorite Star Wars character? Mm, there's so many to choose from. I know. Uh, <laughs> it's great. I would love to. I would love to say that. I would love to say that I'm a Han mm-hmm. uh, in life, but I'm really more of a Luke. Um, you know, I, I, I was, was a naive, optimistic child who, who grew up and, and realized I was just going to end up an old cantankerous man. Um, so, (laughs) um, I would say, you know, Luke is, Luke is probably the one that I gravitate to towards the most, uh, even more so after writing this book. Great. Now, speaking of writing this book, you've clearly written a lot in your career, a lot of great stuff. So what is one piece of writing advice or a best practice that you might have for somebody out there who wants to be a writer as a career and is an aspiring uh, just creator in general of, of some sort? You know, I think the most important thing for people to remember is that a dream job is still a job. We may love what we do, we may love telling stories about our favorite characters when we're given the chance. And, and on paper, it looks like the most fun thing in the world. And when you tell your friends, oh my gosh, this is what I do for a living, their minds are blown. But when you sit down behind that desk to start typing, it doesn't mean it's going to be easy just because you love it. Uh, and it's about dedication. It's about focus. It's about research. And it's about putting in the hours and the hard work. And if you can do that, if you can stay focused, if you can motivate yourself to keep going, even at the hardest moments and against the roughest deadlines, you'll succeed. If you can't do that, you're likely to lose your love of the thing that you wanted to do in the first place. And that's a tragedy. Um, so it's, it's being realistic and realizing that it may be a dream job, but it's still a job. That is some powerful advice. I think a lot of people are, are very, very wide eyed when they can step into these sorts of things. So to have that reality of before you get into it, I think that's an important thing to, to keep in mind. So thank you for that, Mark. Absolutely. Now, what is your favorite secret of the Jedi? There's many of them in this book. Well, what's your favorite? Oh, gosh. <laughs> Well, if we're going just with the book, uh, I would I would have or to even say, outside the book too. Okay, okay. Yeah, I'll open the door well, a little you bit. You know, I, I think in terms of in, in terms of of the the overall secrets uh, that that we reveal, um, it, it's really more about a depth of knowledge. It's not like, hey, did you hear the Jedi did this? And you go, I'm shocked. I never knew. <laughs> uh, you know, it, it's it's the depth of knowledge. But for for me, you know, it, it's it's the balance between dark and light, and it's the paths that people took to get there. Um, so I really had a, a, a lot of deep interest in writing the section 
about the Sith um, and and following the journeys of of Darth Tyrannus of Sidious uh, of of Darth Maul to where they ended up. And though it may not be a huge part of the book, you know, I found the, those areas so fascinating and, and the fall of the, the Sith on Malachor and all of that stuff that's in the background. I could, I, I will say now I could write another book about that stuff. Uh, if the universe is listening. Um, <laughs> so, you know, that was the stuff that, that really appealed to me the most. Um, and getting to throw the inquisitors in there was oh. just a little bit of nice icing on the cake. Yes, that was great. That was a pleasant surprise to see those make an appearance, especially the the second sister, I think she's called, who's in Fallen Order. So great to see her yes. in the in the bunch there. Yeah. Now, how would you be different without Star Wars? Oof, that's that's a really good question. It's funny because I call this a rapid fire question, but it's this one's pretty layered. <laughs> it, this this is deep, but you know, I I, I don't think. I would be nearly as bold and as confident when it comes to taking chances uh, in my life if it wasn't for Star Wars. Uh, from A New Hope on, there are so many moments where those characters take a leap that is as dangerous as it could possibly be, but they do it because they believe not only what they're doing is going to work, but what they're doing is right. And I think that's that's really pivotal, pivotal to who I am as a person. And I think I got that from Star Wars. I think that's one of those things that, you know, there are, were, were a lot of chances for me in my journey to step away and take an easier road. Uh, and I kept fighting and I kept choosing the path that seemed like the slightly harder one, but the more rewarding one. Uh, and, and I don't think I would have been as courageous or as bold uh, in some of my career steps as I've been if Star Wars hadn't been there to show me how to do that. Mm -hmm. Sounds like you took the, the true path of a Jedi throughout your career. <laughs> and, and lastly here, how would you describe, whether it's a, a word or a phrase, the emotions or the feelings that Star Wars evokes from within you when you, when you watch it or, or when you read it or when you just sit down at your desk and, and write about it? fulfillment. It's one of those things where, where I watch those movies, I read those books and there's this, this swelling inside of me. My, my heart just kind of fills with, with contentment. Uh, and it, it feels like it, it has an effect on me that very few properties do. Um, and, and you know, every time I think about finishing out the journey, uh, this December, uh, I get goosebumps, you know, just yeah. not because I know what's going to be in the movie or because I have any deep insight as to, you know, where, where the saga ends, but it's all the possibilities of what it could be and what it means that we're finally going to, after all these years, see the journey come to a close or at least this chapter yeah. of the journey. And, and that to me just is, is mind blowing. So there's this, yeah, there's this deep fulfillment that I get when I read a good Star Wars project uh, and, and, and witness another chapter of that journey uh, coming to fulfillment. I think you and, and many others may feel the exact same. So Mark, thank you for that answer. And thank you for coming on from a certain point of view today and letting us know why you love Star Wars. And again, Secrets of the Jedi is out right now. So if you haven't already gone and bought the book, 
Go do that right now. You can buy it on Amazon, uh, Barnes Noble, you name it. So Mark, what other projects do you have in the works right now? And also where can people find you to learn more about what's going on in your life? Absolutely. My, my uh, website is www.sumerac.com. Uh, so that's nice and easy to find. It's just my last name. Uh, I'm on Twitter at msumerak, and Facebook is the same. And I'm on Instagram at sumerak, just just my last name. Uh, and uh, other projects I've got coming out. We've got lots of new content that is coming for both uh, Marvel Ultimate Alliance Three: The Black Order on the Switch, as well as Marvel Future Fight, which I write some content for on mobile apps. Uh, and I've got the Star Wars Galaxy's Edge official cookbook that is also out this month, uh, as well as plenty of more top secret things in the future. Ooh. <laughs> well, hopefully we'll find out some of those very, very soon here. So Mark, once again, thank you so much for, for joining me today. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. Thank you all for listening to Friends of the Force from a certain point of view. If you enjoyed the episode, make sure to rate us five stars and leave a review wherever you listen. You can find us at Friends of Force on Twitter and Friends of the Force on Instagram. And you can join our Patreon at patreon.com slash friends of the force where you get a bunch of extra perks starting at just $1 a month. Thank you to our current patrons, Alderanian Rose, Neil Lowry, Real Farm Boy, Michael Condon, Chris from Kentucky, and T. And Friends of the Force is part of the Star Wars Escape Pods network alongside sister shows such as Sky Talkers and Unmistakably Star Wars and the Geeky Bubble podcast. You can find the network at We Are Escape Pods. Again, the Star Wars Escape Pods network promoting positivity and fandom. That is all for this episode. We will see you next week. And until then, we are all ones with the Force. We're all friends of the Force. And may the Force be with you always.